welcome you aboard for another edition of State Lines, where you get the best gambling information out there. He is Kevin Berger. My name is Jason Gotch. I can't believe it, Kev. Mini camps in full swing around the National Football League. We're just about to the longest day of the year. That always disappoints me because, you know, it's downhill as far as those uh, late summer nights go. You chip off a few minutes every so often off that uh, nice summer schedule. But th- what it does mean on the positive side is we're less than three months away from the kickoff of regulation NFL football games. So we're going to talk a lot of NFL a little bit later on in this program. Some week one lines for you. Also some proposition bets with the quarterbacks and passing yards. We'll get to that. But before we do, it is summer. So what is summer in sports without Major League Baseball? Let's go over uh, where we're at in the baseball season and look at some of the gambling odds for division winners to start off this show. And, Kev, I'm going to take it into the AL Central, where the White Sox just keep winning games. As we tape this program, they're tied along with the San Francisco Giants for the best record in all the major leagues. So the White Sox now minus 400 to win the the AL Central. The Indians return plus 370, and then you get some also-rans. Royals plus 1,200, Twinkies plus 1,700, and the Tigers plus 15,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Tony LaRusse is doing, I know uh, some of the people on Twitter don't like him, but maybe they should examine this more because uh, they've got the White Sox, again, uh, the share of the best record in baseball. Things are really rolling for this team, and it's hard to think that anybody else is going to win that AL Central. Yeah, Jason, I I firmly agree. Um, I don't see anybody in the AL Central being able to catch the White Sox at this point. Uh, I mean, they're hitting the ball. They're they're hitting the daylights out of the baseball. Their starting pitching has really started to come alive here at this point in the season. Uh, Honestly, the bullpen is a little bit concerning at times, especially um, yesterday when you know, Lucas Giolito actually pitches a pretty good game, only gives up three earned runs, and then the White Sox end up having to go in 10 innings in order to win 8-7. to seven. So that that's a little bit uh, disconcerting if you're a White Sox fan like I am. But in terms of odds, I would absolutely take the minus 400 at this point because, uh, I mean, plus 370 for Cleveland, I'm sure it does look nice to a lot of people on the outside looking in. But exactly as you said, the White Sox keep winning – and I don't see Cleveland being able to keep up with Chicago um, going down the stretch in these last a couple months that they, of course, they affectionately call the dog days of uh, baseball. Yeah, you look at the standings right now, and the White Sox are four and a half games up on the Indians who are in second place. They're actually having a pretty good season, Cleveland is, but I, I just think the White Sox have too much firepower in that lineup. And I don't think the Indians are going to make some blockbuster deals down the stretch, even if the White Sox do not <laughs> to try and uh, make a run at them going forward. I think Cleveland would... At this point, they want to win the division, you know that, but in that front office, they'd rather not give up too much and uh, settle for one of the wild card spots if they could get it. Then you get to the Royals, Tigers, and the Twins, those, all those teams well under 500. The Twins, a huge disappointment at 27 and 41 after uh, they've played well last season. They've done pretty well in recent years. So I'm with you, Kev. I, I think this is the White Sox division. And, you know, as a Sox fan, I, I'm going to ask you a, a tough question here because it, it kind of is going to conflict between fandom Kevin and gambler Kevin. The problem I see for the White Sox from the gambler perspective is, do you want to lay that 400 to win an additional 100 and lock up your money? But if you're a Sox fan, why not have your money on a team that you love cheering for anyway, even if it is a what they might say a risky bet as far as how much you've got to go ahead and uh, lay down and lock up for the next few months? 
Well, see, Jason, there, there, you're exactly right. Therein lies the problem. Um, if you remember a couple months, it had to have been at least a month ago, a couple shows ago when we um, were first going over the divisions towards the beginning part of the season, I pretty much said I would rather pass on the AL Central altogether because I do not think it is worth the minus 400 on the White Sox. Um, because, again, if, especially if it's my money on the line, I'm not going to throw that just to get an extra $100 again. We're going just a pure gambler's perspective. Plus 370 with the Indians looks very, very good. But we got to be practical here. As you said, the White Sox, they're up four and a half games right now. You said they have a lot of firepower. They're only going to be getting more firepower back, presumably with Eloy Jimenez uh, this week, finally being able to be cleared to do baseball activities. So he should hopefully be back in the next six, eight weeks or so. Um, So I firmly believe that, this is the White Sox division to lose, and as far as my money goes, I would rather keep it and just enjoy watching the team that I enjoy watching play and not have to worry about, oh, they have to win this division or else I just wasted my money. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. As much as I think the White Sox are the favorite there, it's hard to lay $400 just to win an additional under. That might be one you just keep an eye on. And, yeah, I can't bet the Indians just because I don't think they're going to do it. But at plus 370, only four and a half back, that bet I think probably from a gambler's perspective, if you think the Indians maybe make a run here, uh, it makes a lot more sense than locking up so much money for such a little return several months down the road. Let's shift it to the American League East, the Rays, who had that great battle with the White Sox this past uh, just a few days here in Chicago, and the, the Rays came in with the best record in baseball. And the White Sox left that series winning two of three and sharing with the Giants the best record in baseball. The Rays are plus 115. The Yankees are plus 275. Very interesting because the Red Sox at plus 350 are better in the standings right now than the Yankees. Blue Jays at plus 425. The Orioles are terrible. They're plus 30,000. And the standings right now, Kev, in the American League East look like this. The Rays lead it by a game over the Bo Sox. The Yankees are seven back. The Blue Jays are eight and a half back. So the gamblers don't sound like they really believe in the Rays right now, but this is the team that went to the World Series last year. How do you break down the AL East? Well, that's that's honestly been one of the toughest, I think, divisions to figure out, Jason, because, again, looking at the odds, the the, the gamblers actually believe in the Yankees even more than they – believe in the Red Sox right now. And the Red Sox, as you said, are second place in that division. And they believe in the Yankees more so than the Red Sox. Um, I I would like to say, especially from Gamler's perspective, I would like to say plus 350 on the Red Sox because they're right there. They're in second place. Um, and they're within striking distance of Tampa Bay, obviously, since Tampa Bay's only up, I think you said, a game and a half. So that in baseball, that's pretty much nothing. But... Something is irking me about the Yankees because this is the time of year, isn't it, Jason, that we think they're out at this point, especially since the glory days of the 90s and the 2000s have pretty much come and gone by now, for sure. That This is the kind of situation that we think the Yankees are done. They're not going to get back to relevancy, but then they always they always hang around and they always make things interesting. So I'm going to go gambler's perspective. I'm going to lay down the plus 350 with Boston, but plus 275 on New York with about, I mean, we're still about two and a half months left to go. That that doesn't look too bad either. In my opinion, you couldn't go wrong, honestly, with either one. Yeah, I'm going to go plus 350 with the Red Sox, too, because I like the value there. Three and a half to one odds coming back. If you're going to bet the 100, you win an additional 350. 
the Yankees are very intriguing because I, I look if George Steinbrenner was still alive, Aaron Boone would not be the manager today. He still is the manager of that team. I expect, unless they pick it up sooner rather than later, I think there's going to be a managerial change in New York and in the Bronx, and it wouldn't stun me. I know who I would call. I'd call Buck Showalter because he's the type of guy who comes in, kicks some people in the rear end, and they pick it up for at least a year or two. So we'll see what the Yankees management does. If Aaron Boone remains the manager, I don't think they win that division. But if they make a change and especially get a guy like Showalter, it wouldn't stun me if that propels them the rest of the season. But because that hasn't happened yet, I'm going to go with the Red Sox plus 350. The Rays at plus 115. Uh, not so much. I, I just don't like the value in the return. So I'll go Red Sox plus 350. Let's go to the American League West, where the Astros are now minus 113. Minus 113 to win that division. The A's are minus 106. So it, it, it's really a two-team race out there. The Angels plus 1,700. Mariners plus 2,800. Uh, the Rangers having a rough year plus 35,000. The standings look like this. The A's lead the division by two and a half games over the Astros. Uh, the Mariners are nine back. The Angels are nine back. And then the Rangers are 17 out. So it looks like a two-team race. Tell me if I'm wrong here, Kev, but uh, how do you see it breaking down in the AL West with a lot of baseball left? Well, Jason, uh, I, 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 we always love Oakland. Who doesn't love modern-day the Oakland baseball? Um, I mean, again, if we think about it, the modern day MLB baseball has pretty much stemmed from what the athletics did in the late nineties and started in the two thousands. Of course, we all know Moneyball and all that sort of thing. Now that's pretty much mainstream. Who would have guessed? But I think that division is gonna belong to the Astros because Jason, you and I have talked about it before. The Astros just have too much talent. They have too much firepower on that team between Altuve and the rest of the guys on in the field and at the dish. They have Verlander, the ageless wonder, Justin Verlander, Zach Grinke is there. So I I firmly believe this is going to be Houston's division to lose. And I think coming off the All-Star break especially, I think they're going to come out gangbusters and they're going to open up a big lead in the second half of the season in the AL West. I'd like, to, I'd like to disagree just for radio purposes, but I don't do those type of things, Kev. So I'm going to agree with you here and say the Astros. Look, you got Carlos Correa. You mentioned Altuve. Alex Bregman is still there. I mean, Michael Brantley's hitting 344 this season. Uh, this is a team with a ton in their lineup. Also, you go ahead and you look at the pitching staff, and you mentioned it at the top. You got Zach Greinke. Uh, leading the way this season for them, and it's it's been a it's an Astros team that. With Dusty Baker in the dugout, I'm actually cheering for them and the White Sox to make it to the American League Championship Series because Tony LaRusse and Dusty Baker have hated each other for the last uh, generation, and they're both older managers. It's a great storyline that these guys just always seem to feud. It's, it would be a lot of fun because they're both old school, the fact that neither one backs down from a fight, and I love it. I love to see that managerial adversarial relationship between two guys so i'm gonna say the astros win this division i just think this one if you're looking at it to gamble here there's no good long shot look the angels mariners and rangers aren't gonna win so you're picking between the astros and the a's and what team has more talent the astros do so we're gonna go with the astros or at least i will at minus 113 as kev did as well this is state lines we get the best gambling information out there he's kevin Berger. i'm jason gotch let's flip it over to the national league now uh, the Brewers are plus 105 to win the NL Central. 
Cubs at plus 230. Cardinals at plus 270, despite getting swept at the Cubs this past weekend, though they did return the favor by sweeping the Marlins in St. Louis earlier this week. Uh, the Reds are plus 1,000, and the Pirates are plus 50,000. Now, the Buccos aren't going to win this thing. But you go and you look at if you want some value here, and look, I don't believe in them, but you got to tell it like it is. Cubs and Brewers are tied atop the division. The Reds are plus are, are minus two, two in the standings. They're two back. Cards are minus three, and the Pirates are minus 14 and a half. But again, the Reds are only two games out here in now mid-June, going into late June, and they're plus 1,000. So you're going to bite on that Reds bet here, Kev, or are you going to look at more of the uh, traditional contenders? Well, um, <laughs> Jason, I'm glad you brought that up because who would have guessed that the Reds would be that close? At this point in the season, I don't think anybody at the beginning of the season when I told you the Reds would be within two games um, on what is today, June? Yeah, June 17th. Sorry. Yeah, June the 17th. I don't think anybody would have told you they'd be that close. And Jason, I, I am I am going to bite on that. I mean, $100 to get a to get a grand. Um, I think that's way too close to pass up. Um, the Cubs have really started to come back to earth of the last, like, as of the last, like, week or so. Um, I'm not really, again, I'm not the biggest Brewers person, so I couldn't really tell you how their team's doing one way or the other, other than I know that they're, like, right up there at the top of the division, not right next to the Cubs. And the Cardinals, you and I have talked about the Cardinals at nauseum. They're consistent. They're always going to be there. They're always going to be around. But... This Reds team, I feel like, you know, a couple injuries here, a couple losing streaks there for some of the other teams in front of them. Something good might happen for Cincinnati. So, yeah, I'll, I'll lay down $100 if I'm going to get a grand back easy. All right, Kev locked in for the Cincinnati Reds. I'm going to sit with the Cardinals. Look, I've been on them since the start of the season. I think they're the, the best team in a division that's pretty mediocre. Uh, the Brewers are a very good pitching team. They can't hit. they got the worst batting average, team batting average in the National League. The Cubs have a great bullpen, and they got a good lineup, too. It wouldn't surprise me if they made a run and actually won that division, even though they, they struggled here in this series against the Mets earlier this week. I still think the Cubs have got a shot there, but I think when all is said and done, the Cardinals are going to pull things together and win that division. So I'll be on the Cardinals plus 270. Let's go ahead and take a look at the National League East. The Amazons, the Mets, are minus 315 to win this division. Vegas likes the Mets. That's the biggest odds we've talked about so many teams to win a division. Uh, the Braves are plus 365. The Phillies plus 875. Nationals, boy, how the mighty have fallen. They won a World Series a couple of years ago. They're plus 2,500 just to win their division. The Marlins at plus 2,600. You go ahead and you look right now at the standings in the NL East. The Mets lead it by five games over the Phillies. Braves are seven and a half back. Nets are seven and a half back. Marlins are 10 back. So the Mets are 10 over 500. The Phillies are at 500. But the gamblers look at the rosters, I'm guessing, and say, hey, the Mets are the best team here. You're biting on the Mets at minus 315 here, Kev. Looking at anybody else, you want to take a pass on this one? Um. Well, Jason, my first instinct was to take a pass. But, you know... I like the plus 365 with Atlanta because, again, it's a similar situation to Houston. They have a lot of talent on that roster, and I do not believe that they're going to be this far back for the remainder of the season. I know Atlanta kind of got off to a slow start, 
at the beginning of the season, and they have faltered a little bit of late, but I have to think that they're going to be able to turn it on in the second half of the season. I think they're going to find their way to be able to squeak into the plus because I don't think the Mets are going to be able to keep this up for the rest of the season. I, I just don't believe it. Okay, Jack's going to lock in with the Braves at plus 365. Oh, heck, I was going to pass on this one, but I'll throw my money on the Phillies. It's probably throwing it away. But when you look at them being plus 875, you get a huge return if you throw 50 bucks on that one. So why not do it? I'll throw 50. But we'll throw 100, but I'll throw 50 on the Phillies, though. I think probably the Braves and definitely the Mets have a better chance to win that division, but I just like the long odds. Before we shift gears and get to some football talk, uh, let's talk about the National League West. Dodgers are minus 215 right now to win that division. Padres return plus 185. The Giants are plus 800 to win the NL West. Now, I want to remind you, I want to repeat this, okay? The Giants are plus 800 to win the NL West. The Diamondbacks are plus 20,000. They never win on the road. The Rockies are plus 20,000. But again, the Giants are plus 800 to win the NL West. Right now, the standings. The Giants are tied with the White Sox for the best record in baseball at 43 and 25. The Dodgers are two off the lead in the NL West. The Padres are six off the lead. The Rockies are 15 and a half games back. The Diamondbacks 23 and a half games back. So right now, Cap, right now, you can go and you can bet the Giants who are tied for the best record in baseball get eight to one odds for them to win that division. Do you think they can hold off the Dodgers? Oh, the, Oh my God, that's that's a tough that's a tough decision. That's a really tough decision, Jason, because my my favorite player in Major League Baseball for a very long time has been Clayton Kershaw, obviously the pitcher of the Dodgers. But I I would tend to agree. Um, I would I'm going to take the eight to one odds and go with the Giants. I mean, those odds, especially right now, are too good to pass up. As you as you brought up three times already. They're tied with the White Sox for the best record in all the, in all the major leagues. They have looked fantastic this season. They've been they've been hitting the daylights out of the baseball. They've had great pitching. They've had a they have a very solid bullpen, which especially down the stretch in the latter months of the season is huge for you to be able to go to that bullpen. So I I will take the plus, the eight to one odds and I'll take the plus eight hundred on San Francisco being able to hold off the Dodgers. I mean it's going to be close for sure. It's going to be close but I will take the Giants. I'm going to do the same, and I think the Dodgers are, you know, looking at it on paper, the odds are that they win that division. But if you give me here in mid-June a team that has tied with the White Sox for the best record in baseball, 8-1 to one odds to win their division, I'm going to take a chance on it. That's why they call it gambling. You don't always win. I like those odds a lot better than I do. The Dodgers at two minus two fifteen, so you got to lay that down just to win an additional hundred. When I can put down a hundred and win an additional eight hundred on the team with again tied for the best record in baseball, so I'll do it. I'll go with the Giants and lock that one in. This is State Lines. He's Kevin Berger. I'm Jason Gotch. We come back. Let's talk some NFL mini camps all around the country going on here in June. Training camps will open next month. Before we know, we'll be kicking it off right around Labor Day. Let's talk some football next. Former White Sox pitcher and announcer Ed Farmer was thrown the biggest curveball of his life when he was told the only thing that could save him was organ donation. My brother Tom, he's the guy that gave me my life back because I was dying. Three more days, I was going to be gone. Ed lived nearly 30 years because of the kidney donation. His legacy will live on through the White Sox and this life-saving program. Join the Illinois Secretary of State's Organ Tissue Donor Registry. 
always say heaven knows you can't take them with you. Welcome back as we welcome you to continue with us here on State Lines. Another great episode for you. We just talked some Major League Baseball. We're going to shift gears now and talk about the National Football League. He's Kevin Berger. I am Jason Gotchin. Uh, during our break, Kevin, always on top of the breaking news, and this is a big story, folks. We're going to explore this one. Uh, the Chicago Bears, Kevin, you have the story. I'll let you elaborate on it a little bit here, but I'm going to just throw it out there for everybody. The Bears apparently are very interested in making a buy of that land in Arlington Heights, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago, northwest suburb, where the currently uh, the Arlington Park race course, horse racing track, sits on. And that's going to, for all intents and purposes, they expect to close that at the end of the year. Churchill Downs does not want to keep that open. The land's for sale. And you found the story where it looks like the Bears want to make a bid for that land. Yeah, Jason, I mean, it, it's not even that the Bears are looking to make a bid for that land. They have made an official bid to purchase the racetrack in the Chicago suburbs, site of potential stadium. This article, um, I, it came across my Bleacher Report notifications. It was first written uh, by Michael David Smith of Pro Football Talk at uh, NBCSports.com. Um, as you and I discussed in the break, uh, WGN-TV has the story of uh, the Chicago Sun Times has written about it as well. So the, and the article just goes on further. the days after the mayor of Arlington Heights said that the bears might move to his city. The bears are con have confirmed that they are considering buying the Arlington international race course stadium sized property about 30 miles. So it's, I mean, it's 30 miles from where soldier field is now. And Jason, not even just a gambler's perspective, I mean, as a sports fan in general, this this is huge because the, we have, uh, the Chicagoans and Chicago area people have wanted a Super Bowl in Chicago for years. It is a first-class city. We have all the amenities that, uh, that would need to. I mean, you have plenty of hotels, restaurants, nightlife, all sorts of places, hustle and bustle to handle things like media day or excuse me, media week. And of course, Super Bowl Sunday itself. But the biggest issue is that Soldier Field is now the is easily the smallest stadium in the NFL. The Bears don't even actually own their own stadium because Soldier Field belongs to the Chicago Park District. And if the Bears were able to pull this off and they were able to get out of their lease at Soldier Field and move to Arlington Heights, that 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 could mark the very well beginning of a new era in Chicago Bears football because it would allow them to custom build their own stadium and be easy to get to from the suburbs, easy to get to from the city. And th there's nothing that would be able to stop the Chicago um, area now to have a Super Bowl if we were able to get a stadium there. Yeah, that's the, that's the real positive if this happens for a lot of people, the idea of a Super Bowl coming to Chicago. And, and there's been no talk yet from the NFL office on this, but you know Roger Goodell, the people on Park Avenue who run the National Football League, would love to have a Super Bowl in Chicago. However, and they proved that, they've had Super Bowls in Detroit, they've had Super Bowls in Minneapolis, they had a Super Bowl in uh, New Jersey, in the New York metropolitan area when that stadium opened, that life stadium opened several years ago. So it'd be a win-win for the league to have a Super Bowl in the third largest market in the country. However, one thing to keep in mind, I remember in the mid-80s, the White Sox were going to move out to Addison, and Jerry Reinsdorf's company owned land in Addison, Illinois, a western suburb of Chicago, and that 
that fell through. The big difference, though, there is uh, Jerry Reinsdorf owning that land got the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois, really the state of Illinois, in a last-minute deal down in Springfield. That's how they do things down there, horse trading. Well, what did they do? They built the White Sox, basically a tax-free stadium on the south side of town. They still play it. So this could also be a ploy for the Bears to say, look, Soldier Field's the smallest stadium in the country, Mayor Lightfoot, state of Illinois. Uh, we're not going to play there when we have a chance to go to Arlington Heights. What are you going to do for us to build us a nice stadium? Because we can go build a stadium out in Arlington that'll be a state-of-the-art football facility. I've covered many a game at Soldier Field. It's not a good facility. It just isn't. I've been to other NFL stadiums. They're light years out of Soldier Field. There's only so much you can do when you renovate a stadium that's almost 100 years old. So the Bears ideally would get a new stadium somewhere sooner rather than later. But this gives them the option to have big-time leverage, even if they don't move to Arlington Knights. However, uh, living close to that site, Kev, that, that would be a really good site to have a football stadium. Uh, you've got Route 53, which is a major, it's not an interstate, but it's a major expressway that goes up that way. Uh, the roads are pretty good. They're pretty wide to get fans in and out. You'd be right on that Route 53 that connects you to all the expressways in Chicago. And I know a lot of people who listen to our podcast here are going to say, Oh, but, you know, they're the Chicago Bears. They have to play in the city limits. No, sorry. This happens all the time around sports. I mean, the Giants and Jets have been playing in New Jersey forever. I mean, you look around the landscape. It's the metropolitan area. There's about 2.5 million people in Chicago, about 5 million people in the suburbs. So that the Bears fans who live in the city say, I will never go to another game if it's outside the city limits. Sorry, no one cares. There's only about 70,000 to 80,000 tickets to sell. The suburban people and other city residents will snap them up quickly. So uh, this gives the Bears a lot of leverage if they get this property, and it'll be interesting to see how this uh, develops in the, uh, you know, not, I wouldn't say weeks, I'd say months and years ahead. But uh, the Bears are making a move here to decide that they want to have some leverage here in a possible future stadium for them. And I say good for them. That's business. And, Jason, the other thing, too, you brought it up with, what is the city of Chicago going to be able to do for the Bears when it comes to Soldier Field? Jason, therein lies the trap that the Bears have now set. The city of Chicago really can't do anything else to Soldier Field because of where it's located. It's right next to the lake. I mean, there's only so much room that they could accommodate without trying to get rid of that part of those parks that are nearby. And we all know the city of Chicago is not going to want to do that. They're not going to want to get rid of the parks. They can't expand further out because, as I said, they're right next to the lake. It's trapped right between the lake and Lakeshore Drive itself. So, honestly, unless they move the Bears to a completely different part of the city itself, which I don't think they're going to do either... Um, the state of Chicago is kind of caught between a rock and a hard place at this point, especially if the Bears are serious about this, which I firmly believe that they will be. The state of Chicago, they don't really have much they can do at this point just because of geographical purposes as to where it's located. Plus, the city of Chicago is broke. I mean, well, what kind of money are they going to throw? I mean, if they start throwing money at a professional sports team, you're going to have residents that are going to be furious because they constantly raise taxes in Chicago and city services seem to get worse and worse by the year. So you've got that element, too. If they say, oh, we're going to throw hundreds of millions of dollars and give the Bears this property, well, okay, what are you doing for your residents when you keep raising taxes on them? So, yeah, this really gives the Bears the ace in the hole by doing this. And it'll be interesting because, I look, the McCaskey family, 
whether you're a fan of them or not, the facts are they're not rich like Stan Kroenke, the Rams owner, who said, I'm leaving St. Louis, I'm going to go out to L.A., and I believe they built that that uh, stadium, the Rams stadium, which I think was like $2 billion, they built that on the side of the old Hollywood Park race course, ironically, in Inglewood, California. So uh, Stan Kroenke is a real estate guy. He, he married into the Walmart fortune. He, he can throw $2 billion and build his own stadium without any government money because California's broke too. The McCaskies can't do that. So I think they're even if they move decide they want to move to Arlington Heights, there's going to have to be some partnership with the state there. But you would think the state would want to get in on that because the amount of revenue that would be brought in, tax revenue, and, and feed the local economy with a stadium that could host Final Fours, Super Bowls. You could even, they usually don't play them in cold weather areas, but you could even argue maybe they get the college football national championship game hosted by the Big Ten one year. That's possible too. So there's a lot of possibilities for the state to get their hands in the cookie jar. And, you know, all this comes down to, Kev, I always say, follow the money. And there's a lot of money if the Bears get a stadium that can host a Super Bowl and other things. And, Jason, I mean, too, I just thought of it now just as you said that. What if they were able to make the Bears, again, this hypothetical Bears stadium, what if they made that an off-track bet? Or, like, what if they opened up a sports book there? This, This is even more relevant to the people who listen to our podcast, State Lines. What if they opened a sports book in inside the stadium itself? It's certainly possible, though. Churchill Downs might not like that, because that's one of the reasons they supposedly they own that property. They want people to go to Rivers Casino, which they own a stake in, too. So maybe they don't want to sell to the Bears for that reason. But you're right. I mean, they get, I mean, during the offseason or during you know most days of the week, the Bears would be playing there. So you could easily have a sports book. You could have another facility there. They could even probably that, – that property is so big. You might even be able to build a small arena there that can host, you know, uh, college basketball games, minor league hockey, and things like that. So uh, the possibilities here are infinite, but this is really a huge story, and I know we'll be following it uh, in the weeks and months ahead here on State Lines. Speaking of football, though, Kev, let's get on the field. Let's do a few of these before we get out of here. They've got some additional quarterback passing yard totals for the 2021 season uh, listed on the gambling sites. Now, I want to throw one number out there for you. The Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield, over under 3,750 and a half passing yards. Over under that, Kev, what are you thinking? Mayfield and the Browns in a breakout season last year. Can they do it again this year? Mm. Uh, Jason, I'm sorry. What is a – you said the over under was at plus uh, – you said uh, 3,750? 3,750 and a half. Yep. Yeah, you know what? I'll I'll take the over on that because I mean I mean most modern day NFL offenses now. I mean even your run of the mill average quarterback is going to be able to throw between 3,000 to 3,500 yards relatively easily. I mean Baker Mayfield is definitely better than average, Jason. And there's also that division. I mean the competition he's going to be playing twice a, twice a year. Uh, the the Bengals, I, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's on the Bengals, obviously, so he's not going against them, so he doesn't have to worry about them. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, he does. I, I was thinking of the Browns. I'm sorry. Too many Bs. Too many Bs going around. We were just talking about the Bears. Then we're talking about the Browns. Then I'm thinking the Bengals. Too many too many Bs going around. Um, but the Bengals, uh, their defense, uh, I don't trust their defense at all, so he shouldn't have any problem going against them. Um, and the Steelers, Jason, I think the Steelers are finally on a decline. Um, I mean, I know that's more said for their offense, but I mean, their defense wasn't exactly spectacular last year either. 
So I, I would say between the teams he has to play in the division and the rest of the AFC especially, um, I, I would definitely say Baker Mayfield is going to be able to throw for uh, over. I'll take the over. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be over here too. I, the Browns have a pretty good roster. Tough division with the Steelers and also the Ravens, but I think over 37, 50 and a half is a pretty good bet. Go with that for Baker Mayfield's passing yards. Now, this one I think is a little tougher. Matthew Stafford with the Rams over under 4,700 and a half passing yards. That's a lot of yards, Kev. He's got to stay healthy. But obviously, Sean McVay made that big trade for Matthew Stafford for a reason because he thought it was the quarterback that could win that franchise a Super Bowl. Well, I would disagree with Mr. McVay on the fact that you can win a Super Bowl because of Matt Stafford or with Matt Stafford. I honestly don't think that's going to be the case, but also we're kind of biased because he spent his entire career in Detroit. But um, as far as the gambler's perspective goes, I'll take the over, Jason, because if there's one thing that we've been able to say about Matt Stafford his entire career, he's always been a great fantasy quarterback. He always puts up his numbers no matter if his team wins or loses. And the fact that he's going to have some actual real talent with with um, with him, uh, both offensively and defensively, too, with how good that Rams defense is, he's going to be able to get more possessions, presumably. More possessions means more passes, and more passes, of course, means more yards. So I will take the over with Matt Stafford over 4,000. Yes, I will take uh, over 4,000 as well. 40, it's actually 4,700. I'm going to go under here because Matt, Matt Stafford is a hard time staying healthy, so I'm going to guess under 4,700 and a half passing yards here for Stafford. Although, again, I, I would, I'm with Kev. I don't think Matthew Stafford is the guy to win you a Super Bowl. I think the Rams overpaid for him, however, in draft capital. But I, I do think that they're going to try and throw, use his arm to throw all over the field, though I think injuries might get in the way of that 4,700 and a half yard passing total. Though, again, there is a 17th game this year, so all these numbers are going to be inflated a little bit. Uh, speaking of one of the great quarterbacks in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes, over under 5,050 and a half passing yards. What do you think on this one, Kev? Oh, man. Um, I am going to take the under on this one with the, with the logic behind it, Jason. I don't know if you saw earlier today, but... Madden just released the cover for their legendary edition, the new Madden 22, and it has a picture of both Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady on it together. So I'm working under the assumption that the Madden curse is going to take effect, and I will say he is not going to throw for over 5,600 yards. All right, you are locked in on the under there. I'm going to go over. I think he gets over that mark of 5,050 and a half. I think that's possible for him because, again, with the 17th game, it is Patrick Mahomes. The only question is, how much of the fourth quarter is he playing some games when uh, the Chiefs are rolling over some of their inferior opponents? And one more before we get out of here. Daniel Jones, it was a high draft pick just a couple of years ago. He hasn't lived up to expectations at all with the Giants. Over under 3,700 and a half yards. Kev, our final one for this show. What do you think? Uh, ooh. I will go. I will go under. I was originally going to say, um, depending on what the health of Saquon Barkley is, I may go over or under, depending on how healthy he is. But I'm going to be more realistic. I don't think Daniel Jones is very good. Um, I think we are of like mind, at least in that, Jason. I don't think he's very good. So I do not think he'll be getting over that. So I will take the under. 
We agree. Daniel Jones is not very good at all. It's going under 3,700 and a half yards. We'll see how that one plays out as the year progresses. He's Kevin Berger. I'm Jason Gotch. Thanks for joining us for another episode of State Lines. We'll talk to you real soon. Have a great weekend, everybody. This show is for entertainment purposes only. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.